Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whateley. And Marcus D. Oh, please. Please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Oh, yes. I, that, was, that was from my name. That was from oh, my name. Well, you did it right while my name was being announced, so. It started during mine, so it <laughs> counts. No, no, but it led into my name. Thank you. So we have discovered the awesome sound effects thing on our soundboard and how they work now, which is great. My next step is learning how to change them, which I can't do. Which one of the ones that I want is Ricky Bruckman doing one that's like, it's not an owl. Like that. I want that very badly, so. That's a callback joke, by the way, to any fans of a long time ago when we first started the channel. I do not remember this, actually. You don't remember that it's not this... an owl thing? No, I, I remember me and you doing the it's not an owl thing. Yeah, no. Oh, oh I yeah, think you mean yeah. like Ricky had no, said No, I just want him to be the voice of it because I think it would yeah, be great. Yeah, I think he would do it like, really well. Yeah, he like in his really thick Jersey it. accent. I think it would be his awesome. Jersey accent. Yes. <laughs> okay, it's hot in here. Let's get to beers now. I agree. So I had to buy the alcohol today. So I went with Purple Haze Raspberry Lager, which is actually Ellie's favorite alcohol. Or favorite uh is that her favorite IPA? or she just... like, Actually, Purple Haze is her favorite beer. And I don't think she's had raspberry yet, unless okay. maybe all Purple Haze is raspberry. I'm not no, totally sure. No, I don't think it is. It's probably regular Purple Hazes, but I think she would like this. These come in, like, the stubbiest little bottles ever. We'll have to just drink more of them. They're just like, they're like your toes. They're just like <laughs> stub. It's like all these piggies never left the market. You're right. right. It's like my toes in your head. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Thank you. Dude, I've had okay. So at my job, I have to do a lot of Zoom meetings, you know, well, because of, yeah, because of the pandemic and everything being virtual. The problem is, is my head is like so big that I have to sit back for my head to look a normal size. Like every Your time, head is no, I know. Huge. Every time I go uh, like instantly live, like on Zoom during the meeting, I immediately look like Zordon from the Power Rangers. <laughs> Like it is, it is bad. Actually, if you'd shave your head, you would look like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like talking with shadows. We have a disturbed city in Evansville, Indiana. There's a monster on the loose, and only you can talk about it. Uh, oh mm. goodness, are you going to start collecting teenagers with attitudes? Because I'm pretty sure that's legal. That's creepy. That's <laughs> what that is. That nobody ever. That's grooming. That's that's what that is. Um. All right. So I. So today we're continuing our month-long talk about hairy humanoids. Super awesome, cryptids, all things weird, right up me and Vic's, uh, Vic's alley. But before we get into our episode, of course, what we always got to do... Comments from comments previous shows. Comments from the previous shows. If you didn't check our last episode, uh, we did the Spotsville Monster, which is like this Bigfoot hairy humanoid that's in Kentucky, which we didn't know about. It's not that far. Yeah, it ended up being a really live. cool one. I yes. hope this one's just as cool. Oh, oh, it's how are you gonna say you hope so when you know when you know the monster? I still am going to hope. You're gonna hope after you know it. <laughs> I'm questioning whether if you know the story. I do. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh Zeno Smith said, another great episode, guys. Really liked it. I was like learning new things about Bigfoot or Sasquatches, learning about the different abilities these things have. It reminds me of SCP-1000. I definitely think you will like this one. It fits in the, in this episode's topic, which I think... Is I that think, the Bigfoot one? Because I, I, I really, really like say, that one. I really want to say that is... I really want to say that is... The Bigfoot one. Yeah, I want to say that's the one where they say, like, if you see it, you can suffer, like, instant brain death, but it's actually just to cover up the greater yeah, truth yeah, that yeah, they yeah. used to rule the Earth. Yeah, SCP-1000's Bigfoot. That's awesome. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, I really like that one. Yeah, 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 I can't remember that one off the top of my head. Oh, go back and listen to it. It's good. Oh, yeah. No, I like the, I like SCP, like, 3000, like, some of the underwater cryptids that they do and that. Oh. I never remember the numbers for anyone. That's any the of them. snake that's got, oh, like. Oh, Anana yeah, Sesha? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the snake god that's underwater that has, like, the weird anestics abilities. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that one's cool, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Jumping over to YouTube comments. Uh, Whiskey Conspiracies. Glad to have you. 
Commenting, good sir, says, your descriptions of the animal bodies sounds like organ harvesting for ritualistic purposes. Could be at Bigfoot, but why would Bigfoot monsters take those organs and leave the corpse behind? So is this a Bigfoot working with a cult to summon something, or is it worshiping its own Bigfoot god slash goddess with offerings to a secret Bigfoot shrine? Either way, I don't like it. I find that as a I find that to be a fascinating idea. Yeah, like well, I mean, if it's really like if it's a Bigfoot actually eating, you would expect it like you know to eat the good parts, like you know the meat of the animals. But it really just it removed all of like the eyes, and it was more like scavenging. I did not think about this in a ritualistic context, but I'm kicking myself now for that. Tunguska lumberjack said, "Maybe the Fae being affected by you say." What was that name again? Tunguska Lumberjack? Yeah. That is a cool, cool name. Yeah, that's an awesome name. Sorry, please continue. That's just a cool name. And he's got a cool comment. Maybe be the Faye being affected by you saying that you don't believe in them is a bit like the whole red ones go faster and it's some blah type <laughs> bleak based power. Just an idea. Great idea, by the way. Thanks for the enjoyable video, guys. Have a great weekend. I'll tell you this. Someone's chopping at their bit for their new orc codex. Oh, because yes. Marcus is a dedicated oh, yes. orc player. Oh, do I? Oh, I have a huge orc army. I, I pre-ordered it yesterday. Take a guess real quick at how many points is your orc army. Just a quick guess. If I get, like, 8th edition codex or ninth edition codex? Ninth edition codex. Thanks for coming out. Um, I, will, I will total it out. I'm going to guess now, and I'm going to say uh, 5,000. What do you think? I think it's going to be more than 5,000. What do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be around 7,000. All right. I will I will tabulate my whole army, and we will see who is closer. So it was 5,000 and 7,000. Okay. James Kness says, I'm digging the channel. Good. Yeah, you know what, we're James? We're digging you. Yeah, we're digging you, man. <laughs> uh, XPZER0X uh, okay. okay. said, wasn't expecting a raccoon conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Me no, neither. No one ever expects the <laughs> raccoon conspiracy. At least they didn't blame the owls this time for what was happening. Thank you. That's a fan right there from back in the day. Awesome. I'm bringing that. We're bringing that back. We're bringing that concept back. We're bringing it. Um, Laughing Fox said, the raccoon conspiracy ended up being far less exciting than I expected. Screw you, Laughing Fox. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so, sorry. I got bad. <laughs> that was a knee-jerk reaction. I was just... <laughs> Laughing Fox is a good friend of mine. I know exactly who that is. Never mind. I'm just saying. Hey, I thought it was awesome. Thank you very much. Because I was not expecting it. Okay. I wish it was it a little. Li- I'm kind of with Laughing Fox here. It was a little lackluster, but it still was good because you know, it came out of nowhere. You know, it's not like raccoons are going out, like, trying to s- sacrifice things to summon some sort of a Bigfoot god. That would have made it better. Point, I think his point is something along these lines. It would have been cooler if it was raccoons who have constructed their own Bigfoot yes. outfit and were piloting it like some oh, woodland robot. Yes. Uh, that would have been crazy. But. Um, uh, he said, if y'all decide to do some investigations in Kentucky or locally, I'd love to join in. Absolutely. Absolutely loving Fox. We would love to have you, man. Yeah. I'd like to get to do more field work. Yeah. Uh, Izzy 28 said, Barton would be great to have on your show. I know he's been on paranormal roundtables and crypto studies Institute. He's a really cool guy and a good researcher. Great work guys. Do we know him? Is he 28? Not that I'm aware no, of. No, no, uh, Barton. That's one of the witnesses. That's one of the oh, kids' yeah, witnesses. Oh, yeah, I listened to like five interviews with him. I'm do terrible you, with names. Do you terrible even, with names. Do you even talking with shadows, bro? <laughs> do you remember half of the stuff that we do? I am so bad with names. That's okay. I am too. It was bad. Dude, I once had to cram for this all-state Spanish competition in trivia, and I told my we had to memorize 600 facts ahead of time. I memorized 500 of them. The ones that weren't names. I told my whole team, I was like, I will memorize every fact in this thing and every question. Just do the names. And they didn't do it, and we got second because of it. <sighs> okay. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that's the comment. So, if we're ready to get into today's episode, we can talk about the Murfreesboro Mud Monster. <laughs> that's some serious yes. alliteration right oh, there. Oh, I know. I love it. I love that we can Murphy do that. Bill's Mud Monster. No, it's Murfreesboro. Or Murfreesboro Mud Monster. Well, the, no, the thing is, the alliteration is still there. It's it, it's a lot of M's. Yeah, or as they called it, the Big Muddy Monster, which is something a that little happens less, to this. A little less alliteration. Yeah, but I don't think that towns that have things named after them really... like. I don't think that the, the towns want these monsters necessarily named after them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, guess. It, I mean, it's not like the Point Pleasant was like, yeah, we should change the Mothman to like the Point Pleasant monster. Like, I don't <laughs> think they kind of want that. I mean, at that, I think they're proud of it. Like, they have a uh, Mud Monster beer, beer festival. That's every year. Yeah, I think I'm talking about at the time. I mean, uh, like way down the, the line. I'm talking about like in the midst of it. But well, I mean, we'll kind of we'll probably get in a little bit today, kind of how the town reacted <laughs> to the oh, to the monster sighting that they had. So I thought that what we could do for this episode because this is an intense one. I mean, normally I like to pick. Some of these things apart, much to the uh, annoyance, Vic. This episode is going to be mainly story, and I love it when you no, pick no. things apart. No, it, but we can. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about it as we go because oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty interesting. So most of the accounts of the Murfreesboro mud monsters is within the 1970s. There's some accounts that maybe it goes back a little bit further than that, but like the big bulk of the story starts in about 1973, right? So for about two weeks during this time, it's generally what's assumed that the whole town of Murfreesboro, uh, Illinois, became the epicenter of a series of encounters with a huge, hairy, albino monster, which would become known as the Murfreesboro Mud Monster. So uh, the first incident occurs... Actually, there's one thing I want to talk about in the setup. Sure. Did you realize that this is only a few months after the infield horror event? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. They kept making some... Com- they made some comparisons to other monsters in this, but I thought they were stretching. Well, here's the reason why I particularly took a note on the infield horror. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you give a quick description of the monster? Of the infield horror? No, no, no. no. I was going to say, the like, mud a kangaroo. Oh, <laughs> the kangaroo. Okay, so the mud monster is about... It's generally described as being uh, a couple hundred pounds, large, furry, matted, about anywhere... It's described between... Six to eight feet tall, depending upon the person that encounters it. Uh, stanky. Stanky. Very stocky. Uh, with, at times, glowing red eyes. And gray fur. And gray fur. Well, I said albino. Oh, I didn't hear you say that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one thing that I picked out when um, this was mentioned, the infield horror, which occurred very close to this time period, also had gray fur and red glowing eyes. And three legs. Oh, and okay. The whole description doesn't match. But my whole thing, my point is that, that's a there big a, detail. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to make the case that they're the same thing. I'm just saying that these things happened in a close period did, of time with two unusual details shared. They did. They did. They did. Now, what does that mean? I'm not sure, but I wanted to point out that connection true, before true, we went further. True. Well, I mean, the uh, well, you find that a lot in you know, the paranormal. Like, the Evansville Green Cloud Beast happened on the exact same day as the Hopkinsville Goblin story. Which is amazing. It makes me think there's a connection. I'm going to take that button away from you. <laughs> I can't help. I can't. No, no, no. I'm Sorry. going to take the buttons away from you. Sorry. Oh, and everyone agrees. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll use up on the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah, it did. It did happen very it's around the same time as the uh, as the infill monster. Uh, all right. First story that we're the first part of the story that we're gonna that we're gonna that we're gonna break it down is June 25th, 1973. So these two. Teenage, like 19 years old, young couple, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson, decide they're gonna go for they're gonna go for a little drive and park down by uh, they park down by the river park, uh, by come down by a boat ramp. And while they're down there, they hear this weird like rustling sound, like in the woods. I assume while they're necking. <laughs> yeah, according to the story, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, quote, yeah. quote unquote necking. And they bring that up quite frequently that these two should not have been out there. Apparently, like uh, the Judy's dad did not care for Randy very much, uh, did not approve of this. Seems to be a theme throughout the, throughout the big money monster stories. There's a lot of teenagers involved with this. One of the things I like about it is it's kind of a classic lover's lane. Yeah, but without like the slasher part, it's more like it's more like. Well, lover's lane monsters don't have to have the true, slasher side. True, 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 true. Probably some of our horror fans out there, I think they would prefer that. Did you know there's two versions of this story? Two versions of the story? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you my story. Tell me the other version. Okay. There, there's, there's only a slight tweak between the stories. They're very similar. One is that they're a young couple, and Judy's father does not care for the boy she's down there with, and she knows she'll get in a huge amount of trouble if she's caught with him. Mm-hmm. The other version is that both of them are, are down there committing infidelity, that both of them are married at a very young age mm-hmm. and they're both cheating on their spouses. I don't think that they I don't think that they actually ever came out to say which one that it actually was. Um I know that they're not married today. Well, that's true. But I mean, don't... They're not married today. I think when I read the actual police report, it actually said that they it actually said that they were just down there when they weren't supposed to be down there. 
Well, I'm, but that could be true about either of them. True. true. So it's not really known if they were committing infidelity or if the um, the parent just didn't care for them. I just had noticed that, you know, there seems to be two different versions. True, Depending true counts, on who you true. talk to, mm-hmm. it'll vary a little bit. So, yeah. so they're down there necking. And while they're down there necking, suddenly they start hearing this rustling out in the woods. And then they hear this loud, they call it a piercing roar, which I thought was an interesting way to describe it. They hear like this shrieking sound like out in the distance, which uh, Randy described as he said he, he describes it like an eagle shrieking into a microphone. And Judy described it as like a combination of an eagle's shriek and a elephant's roar. It was very, very weird. Very... Also, I'm on beer two. I'm on beer one. I mean, they're good. Mm. So anyway, they're trying to see if they can see it. They they don't uh they they turn on the headlights and whenever they turn on the headlights they both saw a huge foul smelling creature lumbering towards them. They like lose them, they take off running, they leave, and then they go to the cops. And like they immediately go to the cops and the cops are uh take their take their statements. And one of the things that I thought that was really interesting is the cops are back out there to investigate the area within like like two hours, like it didn't take them very long to get down there to actually to to investigate it. Well, the cops, although were skeptical of it, did take it yeah. seriously because no matter how you look at the story, they're putting themselves at mm-hmm. risk by telling the story, mm-hmm. which apparently lended credence to it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So the police chief ends up believing he sends two cops that since two cops out there uh, to investigate it: a Merrill Lindsay and a Jimmy Nash. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that the cops notice when they're down there is they discover a series of tracks down there by the river. And he describes the tracks as about 10 to 12 inches long and approximately three inches wide, which I would thought was kind of, which I thought was kind of interesting. Did they say three inches wide. Yeah. My foot is, that's what I'm saying. That. I, I think my th- foot's longer. Than yeah, that. yeah. 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 Like I, I thought that that was definitely a, a, a weird, uh, a weird note because like our my feet is fourteen inches of is four size fourteen and I wear extra wide shoes like I think my foot itself is like five inches uh, across and mine are fourteen and a half slightly longer than yours mm-hmm. but but one of the things these like three toed footprints too yeah, yeah 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 and they ended up being three toed footprints but one of the things that uh, uh, I wanted to give a I wanted to give a shout out because I, I asked somebody because I asked. Uh, uh, Daniel Benoit, who's the head of the East Coast uh, Bigfoot researchers, uh, he has a, a a group that, and he does a lot of Bigfoot research. And I asked him, "What is the typical size of a Bigfoot uh, track?" to see what he to see what he said to see if I was right. And he said, "Typically, they range to be uh, about seven, thirteen to seventeen inches, and four to seven inches wide." So. You probably can't call this a big foot because that's kind of a small foot. I'm more of a big foot than this well, thing. Average foot doesn't sound very <laughs> intimidating, okay? It's either got to be, you know, for it to be something that's going to be either tiny or too big. But anyway, but while uh, while they're out there investigating, Nash claimed that... Oh. There's one more thing I wanted to throw in about the description that the first couple gave. Sure. It did not have hair on its head. Uh-huh. It just had, like, a regular skin shape or skin head. It was still kind of... Um, conical and pointed like mm-hmm. a bigfoot head is but it just didn't have any fur on it so while they're out while the two cops are out there like investigating and they find the footprints they actually hear the shriek the shriek sound actually like out in the woods and they take off looking for it and both nash and uh and uh, Lindsay both claim that they don't think that this is it's not an owl screech it's not a bobcat sound they don't think that it's a large cat is so this they, where the guy drops his gun yeah, I don't find any actual account for that. Oh, where's the wah, 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 wah? Nope. Uh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a count saying he lost his gun, but when I read the police report, there's, like, because you can actually get the police report for this thing. There's no instances of he actually, him actually, like, losing his I gun. I could see this being something that's thrown on for storytelling, <laughs> but I could also see this being a thing where... It didn't make it in the police report. That mm-hmm. person did not come back with their gun because that's mm-hmm. a really big mm-hmm. deal. So they hear the shriek too. They freak out. They head back. They call two more officers out to the area. And um, by the time that the four four officers are out there, actually, I'll take that back. By the time the four officers are in and out, it's 2 a.m. 
So the first uh, set of cops that even get out there really aren't even out there very much. Like it didn't take them long to get out there. Then when the kid, like, the actual couple saw them. Um, but anyway, they, they investigate the entire area. They find more tracks. There's another instance where they hear this loud screech and then all of them take off running at this well, point. Of course, so- it's got a gun at this point. <laughs> Like fighting, it's Bigfoot, and he's got a gun. I mean, fighting Bigfoot's one thing, but now he's armed. Yeah. That's I'm not what, messing with that. So apparently that loud shriek is Bigfooties for, I've got a gun, and I'm not See, afraid to use it. Bigfoot, maybe they kill people, maybe they yeah. don't. I know the. I know it's a little out. Guns, I know they kill people. <laughs> so when they hear this again, they take off. At this point, they decide, you know, we don't got enough cops out on the third ship. <laughs> so they're like, you know, we're just... We're just gonna wait a day. We're gonna let go. We're gonna. We're just gonna. We're gonna let this go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I think it gives definitely credence to to the story that these that this couple who knew that they weren't supposed to be down there by by the river end up going to the cops anyway. Because no matter what what version of the story that you go with, yeah, they're still taking a risk. Yeah, yeah, they're taking a risk by going to the cops. Now, why you would go to the cops whenever you see this wise, strange monster out in there? I have no idea, but... Also, I mean, both could be true. It could be that Judy is married and sneaking around with this guy that her dad does not care for. No, no, I mean, no. It's possible that both are true. No, no, no. I mean, I just, I found it weird that they just go to the cops in general, is what I'm saying. That they see this some sort of a monster. I don't know. I think if you think there's a monster out there and you actually care about your community, which this is a small town, they probably mm-hmm. do, I think... They're probably thinking, hey, there's, like, children around. We might want to tell someone in charge about this, you know, monster. That's true. Somebody should, someone with a gun should do something. It didn't do much good. because no, they all, did not. Because they all ran. <laughs> so, a lot of good that did them. They ran pretty easy. So, okay. So, the second major sighting uh, occurs on June 26th, the following day. Like, the very next day. Okay, I got my pulled up. All right, and the story starts with a five-year-old boy named Christian Barrel, who apparently was outside his house collecting fireflies at 10.30. I find that's just bad parenting. Okay. That is not bad parenting. 10.30, five-year-old out in the country. I mean, if you're even keeping a remote eye on them, and if you're in a safe neighborhood, I think that it's, it's doable. Uh, part from the story doesn't sound like they're keeping. Well, okay, we'll end up what's happening next, Whether the reason why you shouldn't do this. Because the next thing that ends up happening is this kid freaks out, runs into his dad, screaming, Dad, there's a big ghost in the backyard. You know what? Okay, you finish the story, and then I'm going to have have a caveat for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who obviously the dad was, he, I like how they describe it, understandably dubious. <laughs> Sad story. <laughs> uh, until uh, his neighbors end up corroborating the tale. Okay, Here, here's my thing. The kid was smart enough at five years old to know when to run and go get his dad. That is that is free-range parenting at its <laughs> finest. The kid recognized when it was over its head at five years old. How many times have you told me that, like, bobcats, lynxes, and what, what's the other, what, are the, what are the things that's out there? The, the other goat thing, man? <laughs> goat man, I do believe, might be out there. Deers crucified to trees. Okay, yeah, I did see that when I was a kid. You're going to leave a five-year-old at 10.30 unsupervised out there by himself? I mean, I don't think I was five. I was at least allowed to go do that when I was eight. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Bad parenting. No. Yes. He could have gotten eaten by a Bigfoot. You don't know. The other day, you he were... He could have found treasure. <laughs> you don't know. That's, that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> They're probably both equally right. You're probably, like, if you're in the woods and you're five years old, you're equally going to find some sort of a supernatural creature that's going to get you and some kind of treasure. Sometimes both. And that's what folktales tell me. That's true. That's... <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> so while this kid is screaming about this giant ghost that's in his backyard, there's two teenagers, a shale ray... And a Randy Creeth, I think that's how you say his last name, or also two unsupervised teenagers, were sitting on their back porch uh, when they hear some rustling out in the bushes about 15 away. Um, assuming they think, what I assume, is probably Barrel out there catching fireflies because his dad negligently lets him run around out there. Not negligence. Yeah. Randy decides to get up and go yell at this kid to apparently, like, stay away from his fireflies. And uh, their intention was to just uh, just scare the kids away. But the next thing that they know is that they see this giant, and they described it as eight feet tall, 
stocky like a New York football player. Uh, fur, long fur, hairy like an English sheepdog. Uh, white and pale, dirty, matted. And again, realist stank. And eventually, eventually they just like lock eyes with this thing. And then they just turn around and just walks back in the woods. Apparently I'm surprised I, they didn't run. The thing has red glowing eyes. You don't screw around with things with red well, glowing eyes. Again, when you have when you're in the middle of a crisis, you're, you have two general reactions. I mean, three general reactions. You know, fight, fight, or flight. And so, you know, they're freezing is a is a common response to most people. Oh, something that we missed out on the first case. I want to go back to what? one of the things that the police found when they were searching the woods was a trail of slime. I don't think that comes. I think that comes up now. Oh, does it? I thought yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah. Eventually... Oh, I'm, I yeah. might be confused on, on the timeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to say that the slime ends up... Yeah, yeah. Because no. I want to talk about this You're getting slime. ahead of me. I'm sorry. You're I'm getting sorry. ahead of me. I'm excited to talk about slime. I don't... Yeah, and I've got a theory where the slime comes from. Nobody... But anyway. So, anyway. I have a better one. Oh, no. I got a... I think I know what it is, but... Okay, anyway. Uh, so, anyway. The two, uh, the two teenagers that are out there, they describe they're freaked out. They run back inside. Now, there's... There's a disagreement amongst the two as to exactly what they think that it is. Both agreed that it had glowing red eyes, but the the uh, Randy claims that he thinks that it's from a streetlight, and then it's just reflecting it. And Cheryl's like, "No, I know what I saw. It's red glowing eyes." So there's di- there's a distinction there as to what they saw. Now the cops show up. So. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. So. Here come the four cops that were, like, terrified the night before and ran away, <laughs> probably taking their time. It didn't say it in the police report, but I'm just going to assume that. And uh, uh, so it's uh, Nash and Manwaring. Uh, they get out there to the scene, and one of the things that they do is they immediately call more cops, and they say there's, like, 14 cops that end up showing up for this, uh, as well as, more importantly, a dog that tracks it. And so they decide that they're going to try to start tracking to figure out where this thing was. They've all got guns. They're ready to go. So they eventually end up tracking this thing to a abandoned barn that they find out in the middle of the woods. And if you read a lot of the accounts, what the accounts says is that they get, they go to the barn. The dog refuses to go inside the actual Truthfully, barn. I have one thing to say about this whole police fiasco about to happen. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is about to go silly. So if you read many of the accounts online, what it says is they literally just sit there for hours waiting for more cops to show up, and then eventually it slips out the back and it's gone. Did you hear that he tried to actually throw the dog in there? Yeah, yeah, like, but the dog just wouldn't go in. Oh, yeah, the dog just kind of went to its belly and crawled back yeah. out. Now, if you actually read the actual report that's actually, like, on file at the police station, they actually searched it before the other cops got there and it wasn't there. Did they? Yeah. The actual, oh. the actual police report, because, okay, here's the thing. You can actually go to the Murfreesboro City's uh, webpage, and it's literally, so many people have requested this, they literally put it on the front page. It's download the official police report right here. Damn, I was mainly digging into the folklore and the story that the people in the area tell, so I I, I will do my dance of shame. Yeah, yeah, do, do, do your dance. I am, I am shamed by the fact that you no. found the police records, and I did not think to yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, Same the police, dance complete. Now the police records are just end up saying that they that it's still afraid to go in the barn, but they searched the barn anyway. It's not in there. Now they could just, now they could be making that part up. They might have just been too terrified. They ran away. They ran away from it, just screaming in the woods. So oh, who wait. knows? So are they? Do they actually wait for more police to show up? According to the police report, no, they searched it. Okay. Before the cops act, before more people show up with the the in the police report, it says that when they got to the barn, it refused to go in, and they searched it. They still searched it anyway. Okay. And it wasn't in there. So it may have hid in there for a while and then just took off. But now, after... Is this where's the slime? Just as a side note, the behavior of the dog is somewhat similar to like some of Dave, some of the things David Politis describes in Missing 411, where the dogs will just like plop over and lay down and refuse to track any further. Just as a side note. Okay. One of the things that they found while they were out searching this particular time, which is interesting, while they're tracking it out to the barn, this is when they find the, the, trail, black, of the, the trail of slime, which is weird. And in more than one account of other actual instances, you can find the police report, they actually see this trail of black slime. And they, ne- I never get any sort of identification of what they assume that it is, but, like, they touch it, it's gooey, it stains the skin, 
Nothing ever else that I've ever found has ever come to explain where the black slime comes okay. from. I want to hear your theory on the black sl- slime now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, do you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Do you want to do that or do you want to do the third sighting? Let, let's go ahead and talk this and then we'll move on to the yeah, third sure. sighting. Okay. So the. Oh, so do you want another beer? Because I'm about to crack my third. No, I'm good. So the black slime, my theory is this is some. Uh, okay. Murfreesboro was a mining town. It's very common in a lot of mining towns that many of the toxic chemicals and some of the secretions that come off mines literally stains a lot of ponds and lakes black. And oftentimes you find black sludge in like around mining areas. And Murfreesboro has a long history of mining. One of the oldest mines in Illinois is there. And there's tons of other mines that are not so too terribly far from that particular area. So this thing could have been trekking around in the river in areas where there's water and then picked up this black slime. I think I'm going to say something pretty similar. Yeah. I think what's going on in, in a lot of the cases, they hear splashing. Yeah. So it seems like the thing's going into the water. I think that what it is, is it's picking up the muck at the bottom of the river, which if the muck is rotting plant material, it is black. Yeah. It yeah, is yeah. smelly. And at one point, one of the people who's describing the scent, uh, says it smells like a rotting peat bog, mm. which the black stuff at the bottom of a river, it's usually rotting plant material. Yeah, you and see, it would give off yeah. a rotting peat bog smell. Yeah, you see this on uh, you see this on in, on the East Coast all the time, where sometimes black sludge will come up. But what it is is rotting seaweed and uh, kelp flies. You see that a lot of times too, where people think it's a weird paranormal phenomenon, but it's really just rotting seaweed. But what flies. I will say is, for it to be caved in this stuff enough to leave a trail. It must be milling around in the shallow something hardcore. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's how it was either getting around or how it was getting away. The fact that it knows to go, the fact that it knows to go to water to avoid being tracked is pretty impressive to me. I'm actually wondering if it's assisting off mussels in the river I'm not, and it's rooting around in the filth trying to find the mussels. I'm not 100% surprised. surprised. I would not be 100% surprised if this is just not some sort of a weird, just hairy dude. That's that's in there that knows how to avoid being tracked. That just lives out in the weeds. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm, I may go there. I'm not. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, the thing is, in many of the descriptions, and this is something that's been brought up before, right? That it could have been a guy in a coat because the the initial description is there's no hair on the head. Mm-hmm. Although the head was not human shaped, it did not have hair, so it would, in a way, look similar to a man in a gray fur yeah. coat. But at the same time, this is some very peculiar behavior for a human not necessarily not somebody who who lives out in the wheat oh sorry we're gonna get let's do the third story and then we're gonna get okay. to that we'll get to that whether or not it could be a person all right third story third major story that that happens around this time there's a carnival that goes through the town and during the uh and while the creature uh and while the carnival's going on some of the carnies hear some uh rustling sound by their ponies uh, and when they go out to investigate it, I think the first time that they go out, they don't see anything. But the second time that they go out to investigate it, they actually see this large furry creature that seems transfixed at staring at the ponies. Uh, and then it, like, runs off. And then it, like, runs off or it leaves at that point and they call the cops. I find it incredibly funny when they call the cops and the police report, which is left off, like, when most people, <laughs> the cops ask the guys, how come you didn't call to let us know that there was something out here uh, before? And I said, uh, we didn't want to we didn't want to scare people away from the carnival. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> they didn't want to report it to the to the cops. I thought that was great. Oh man! And when we started paying attention to the ponies, yeah. that makes sense. They reported yeah. them because they're expensive. And then sporadically over the next couple of years, some other people have reported seeing it. There's two instances of kids playing wiffle ball, and they hit the wiffle ball, and it lands in the it like lands up between two houses. And when the kids go, they see this large furry matted thing like like walking around milling around then it just takes off uh there was another man that said that he saw it while the guy was gardening Uh, another guy said that he uh, was like july 7th 1975 two men said that they reported it seeing it near a pond uh out nearby and and these are the bulks of the story so did you know kill has a particular word for this type of uh hairy humanoid yeti no, swamp. Um, he calls oh, them swamp slobs. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what book I was just reading, but he goes over it in great detail in that one. No, Lauren Coleman ends up investigating. Uh, ends up investigating really? this. Yeah, yeah, he gets involved just thinking that it's a peculiar kind of Bigfoot sighting. 
I mean, there's just enough people that just report seeing this thing. I mean, they convinced Coleman that this was probably a real thing. I mean, they have casts from the things. Yeah. Uh, and photographs of the tracks from this thing. The thing that I found really interesting was the the uh, the impressions from the feet go into the sludge like almost three inches. That's like, that's, that's I mean, that's a pretty heavy creature. Like is it meant, more, is it flat or is it more towards the toes? Mm, when I looked at it, it seemed like more like on the heel. More on the heel. Like more on the back of the foot than the front. Huh, that's weird. Like it's step, like it's stepping like that. Well, I mean, that's where more of the, f- the weight's going to be is on the back of your ball. Of yeah, your foot. but then you put pressure on yeah. the toes, so the toes. If, or if then, they it would, like then, humans, it, then it then then would be near the front. But yeah, if they walked like humans, it the deeper part should be towards the toe. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're plantigrade, like many people believe, okay, plantigrade means that you just basically stomp down and you're not rolling your foot while you're walking. And a lot of Bigfoot footprints imply that it moves plantigrade because. The way the pressure is distributed through the um, through the cast it leaves, so it sounds like this thing might not be plantigrade, but maybe doesn't quite move like we do either. I will pull up a photo of the tracks of these things, and I will let you make a determination. And we're gonna try. I'm gonna try to put this. This is like 67 pa- uh, pages worth of stuff. So uh, 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 this is one of the tracks. Let's take a look at that and see what you think. Sorry for me to tell. I'm not an expert tracker. I have tracked before. This is not a great example. Let me see it again. Here, you, you you talk while I analyze. Oh, it's okay. There you go. That's what it is right there. Um, yeah, I mean, this thing, this whole thing had this town in a tizzy for like a good while. People have been uh, like writing. This took off nationally when this thing hit the papers. And you can find, like, clippings of this in New York. I even saw an article about this in South Africa, which I thought was really interesting, which I thought, like, it had gotten that far. And the police have kept generally most of the the, the just letter requests of people reaching out, requesting copies of this because of how well detailed with the police that this that these accounts actually were. And I found that really cool because then there's a lot of instances in the paranormal where you just find that where like the police either didn't take it seriously, they didn't write anything down, um, they just ignored it, or they were part of the cover up. But from everything that I can tell within the big uh, like mud monster, it seems as though the police were generally as cooperative as they could be at the time. Truthfully, so. it's hard to tell from this photo because it's not a great photo. Like, I can't even tell if that part. In the upper area, if that's part of the print, mm-hmm. just because the photo's not really clear. Mm-hmm. I would assume it would have to be, and if so, that's really weird because it does look like it's digging with its heel. If not, it looks kind of like it's more of a slip than a print. So do you think this is actually a Bigfoot, or do you think that this is a person? Mm, person? I don't think it's either. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a person, nor do I think it's a Bigfoot. Why don't you think it could be an albino Bigfoot? Uh, I think there's too many outlier things in the description. Like what? The feet being too small. First, the feet being too small, it's clearly not a Bigfoot. What if it's a juvenile Bigfoot or an adolescent? Then it would be a smallfoot. Well, that's true, but I mean, it would still be within <laughs> that category. I mean, a, um, lot of, a lot of times we always assume that just Bigfoot is it just going to be just that big is, going out. If it is one of the three-toed Bigfoots, I would say it is a very old one. What it is, it's one that's now, it's turning gray, it's losing its pigmentation of the hair, mm-hmm. it might be losing hair from either age or mange. Its behavior seems desperate at times, like if it's mucking around through the water, um, trying to find, like, say, food, it might not have access to better food sources. The other thing is, it could be something that's very sick. How? But I, I actually don't, I think it's something that's not a Bigfoot. How do gorillas and, and chimpanzees handle albinoism, like? Like how Albinism? They, yeah, like, how, how do they handle that? I don't know of any particular studies on the behavior of albinism within primates. I, there might be one out there, but I just simply have not read it. I do know this. In most social dynamics of, of an animal, a creature with albinism usually does become a bit of a social outlier. Mm-hmm. It usually gets more attacks from within the group as well as uh, from without because it's an easier to spot prey. Animals with albinism are usually more aggressive and better at defending themselves. Do you remember when we did our video on mocha dick way back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why that particular sperm whale was 
very aggressive. Yeah, because well, yeah, it was an outcast, probably. Yeah, I couldn't socialize. Yeah, it was probably an outcast from his pod, but also Hunter, and this is the origin of Moby Dick, hunters looking for whales can spot a white whale more easily than a gray one. Mm-hmm. It has been attacked many times, and the fact that it made it to adulthood means it's kind of a badass. Well, yeah, well, we assume a lot of we assume a lot of times that Bigfoots are probably social creatures. I mean, I mean, I, w- I would believe that it probably is. But if this thing is an albino, then you would think that it would be more aggressive than if it's sort of an outcast, and you don't see any instances of that. I mean, other than it just yelling and just being loud. But well, like I said, I'm not studying it from within specific primates because I haven't read articles about it specifically within primates. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not fully convinced that's an albino. It might be. I'm not convinced it's not either. Mm-hmm. But it also could be just gray from age. And we've heard of Bigfoot with regular color palettes with mm-hmm. red glowing eyes. True. Yeah, they uh, they make a reference to... Um, they, I have a, nobody else in the stories account for it having red glowing eyes. So I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna be convinced that this thing has glowing eyes. Like n- nobody else other than the other than Cheryl uh, ends up reporting this thing of having glowing red eyes. Like in any account of this thing in the area. But at the same time, probably what it is is actual eye shine. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, but that's why. So that's but that's why I think. But I I don't think that this thing. It, it's it's not aggressive enough for me. So, but I'm I'm gonna be convinced. I I don't know if I'm entirely convinced that it might be Bigfoot. It could be a it could be a person. Well, I, I'm going to agree with you. It could be a person because the description does kind of match well with a person in a coat. The issue is, I think it would have to be a like more of a woods madman than an actual survivalist. A no, survivalist no, 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 no. I I agree. No, I I agree with yeah. that. You know because. Uh, because this, this guy doesn't have any concern about keeping himself dry, well, and that's really important in a survival situation. Yeah, well, aren't most primates typically afraid of, like, going into the water? No, there, there, are, there are a whole primate species that, like, gather around, like, hot springs and things like that. That are that big? Most Well, most primates understand that you do need to bathe at least somewhat. I'm talking about when they're trying to escape from danger. Most primates are going to do whatever it takes. Uh, most primates are smart enough to understand to escape from Fair danger, enough. just do whatever you got to do. True, but also so do a lot of people that have escaped from uh, prison that know whenever they're trying to escape being tracked by a dog, which is to go to the water. Yeah, but this thing's pretty consistently mired. That What do you mean mired? Like it's seen? No, like mired in like muck. In oh, that like it's that. hanging out there? Well, again, it knows how to avoid, it knows how to avoid being... Avoid being tracked, and that's what I'm saying. Like they, whatever this thing ends up doing, that it knows how to avoid being like, like, like apprehended by. Yeah, but that's police. terrible for a human. Terrible. We we can't stay mired in muck for long no, periods of time. No, we, we start can't. to like get lots of rot. No, no, I know, but but I'm talking about when it's being actively chased is what I'm saying. Yeah, but think about the first case. It would have had to been mired in muck before it encountered the two uh, teens. True. Which would make me think that, like, like I said, if this is a human, I think it's someone who's mentally ill, not an actual yeah. survivalist. Yeah. Because they're engaging in bizarre behavior. Um, like, more so than I think someone who is actually trying to just live out in nature would ever do, because it seems mm. detrimental to do it. Yeah. Now, I will say about this, fifteen. Uh, most of the accounts, though, have where they see this thing, generally are between, like, 50 to 30 feet. So I think probably most of the average person can probably tell the difference between a wild man and a Bigfoot. And also the description describes this conical head like Bigfoots normally have. Yeah. It's just a hairless version. Humans, I think that only happens, and I don't know if there's a politically correct word for pinheadism. I know that's what we used to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the I guess the other thing would be like maybe it was someone with a dimorphic head due to like crib boarding. Mm-hmm. But that head shape, although possible in humans, is not common. It's very yeah. rare. No. Um, at the end of the day, no, I don't think that this thing is actually like an actual like wild person. I just really want. But to out do- of Bigfoot accounts, this one I'd say is one of the more likely ones to be because yeah, yeah, of the yeah. the skin shaped face or oh, the skin yeah. colored face. Oh well, and how close people got to it, and how close, and how quickly the police got a written statement. This is not something that people had enough time to just sort of sit around and kind of come up with their story. They, they typically had to respond very quickly to what they saw, and they all tend to be pretty consistent. There's um, also the theory that, and keep in mind, these, this theory comes up with every town paranormal case, 
is that the town got together and made it up for publicity. <laughs> I was going to say the town got together. It was because of terrible parenting. <laughs> I don't think that's that bad of parenting. Teenagers running around unsupervised. Dude, the, the five-year-old understood stranger danger and winning guys. Having relations. Ten-year-olds catching fireflies. Wait, there could be wild... Nineteen-year-olds have relations everywhere. There that's could be packs of wild dogs. There could be packs of wild dogs. They could just pick up one of... They could just pick up this kid. Predators out there in the weeds. You don't know. I still don't think it's bad parent. Just because you are a helicopter parent, it doesn't mean, <laughs> like, free-range parenting is bad. My parents, had, we, I grew up in the city. I had to worry about sex predators, killer clowns, Republicans. They're out there in the woods. When they know. I, when I was young, I would wander through the swamp a lot and just go into old abandoned buildings just rotting into the yeah. swamp. And if I came back with, like, a nail in my foot, right. my mom wouldn't be mad that I was wandering around in the swamp. She'd be mad right. because this is, like, the fifth time this year I've come home with a nail in my foot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I had so many tetanus shots when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I assume just because you just would explore just random abandoned buildings. Dude, it's really exciting to explore random abandoned buildings. You find cool, weird stuff there. And tetanus. Lots and, and tetanus, lots yes. of tet, Lots and lots of tetanus. We were like roving gangs of feral children sometimes. Because <laughs> I know like sometimes we get in like groups of like 10 plus and just wander through trying to find old abandoned buildings. Final thoughts on this thing. Like what are, you, like, what are your final thoughts I'm on this I'm iffy thing? if it's a Bigfoot. I don't think really? it was likely a human. It, it might have been a Bigfoot. I'm just not 100% convinced. Um, some, aca- or some accounts say that it is it was spotted later on, but they seem to have thinned out. I think that whatever it was, if it was a Bigfoot, it would have been an outlier. I think it was likely like digging for mussels in the river, and that's mm-hmm. how it kept getting caught. Because I can't think of too many activities that get you mired in river muck. Mm. Like if you're noodling... If you're trying to sift through to get um, to get like muscles or something, yeah, that's going to get you real dirty. But if you're just running through the river to escape, like like the idea of someone tracking you or scenting, I don't think you're going to get that mired. I don't think this thing being an albino necessarily discounts it from being a bigfoot. There's albino primates, no, there's I albino alligators. I don't think that disqualifies disqualifies it from him being a bigfoot. But my point is more, there's enough outlier things to make me cautious about labeling it a Bigfoot. I mean, it's got the howling things. I mean, I think there's enough. I mean, I think that it could be. I Even mean, the howling was a little different than how people normally describe Bigfoot calling. Well, they also might not have had a very, they also may have only heard it a couple of times. They might not be able to describe it the best. Maybe. I mean, I mean I'll, trust, I'll trust, I'll trust, I'll trust their, I'll trust their word for my it. My point is more, there's enough outlier things it makes me conscious to label it a Bigfoot. Also, what if it's sickly and that's the reason about why it changes? That is exactly so something I said earlier. Oh, that it was sickly? That's that why it could I, have no, been sickly. No, no, the, that's why it changed the call is what I'm saying. That is a possible yeah. theory. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's definitely not a Bigfoot. Mm. What I'm saying is, I'm cautious to label it a Bigfoot with this many right. outlying details. And let us know what you guys think in the comments yeah, you below. You never said what you thought. That's what I did. I said there was probably a Bigfoot. It's probably an albino Bigfoot is what it is. Okay, okay. I mean, I don't think it's that far of a stretch. I, I, I'd say it's possibly an albino sh- Bigfoot. There's a shrieking call. There's it's big. It's prop now. What what I think that it is, I think it is a, I think that it is an adolescent albino Bigfoot trying to figure out how to survive. Oh, then how do you explain the the lack of hair on the head? Maybe, maybe that it does not take care of itself very well. Yes, Who knows? perhaps. Maybe it could be mange. Who knows? But um, I mean. I mean, sometimes some animals, when they're not taking care of themselves very well, I mean, lose hair like that. Yeah, but I'd say it's more likely to be uh, aged. True, or his back, maybe. But uh, and maybe that could be what it is. Maybe these are old, young. Who knows? But it's one of the it's one of those spectrum of the age. That's what I think that it is. But yeah, let us know what you guys think in the comments below. Do you guys think that it's a Bigfoot? Do you think it's its own thing? Do you think it's old, young? What are you, was there something about the story that you guys picked up on that we didn't? What do you think the black slime was? Do you think that? Do you think that it's? Uh, Decaying plants. Do you think that it's uh, mining toxic chemical runoff? Um, if you guys are listening to this, if you guys want to help us and support us, um, definitely give us a like. Leave us a positive review. If you're listening to somewhere where you can give a review, like, share, subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that notification bell so that way you can stay up to date whenever we put out any uh, new content. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Okay, so as I understand, some people have been hearing some strange things. Absolutely, and if you want to hear us talk about those strange things, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up 
for as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of these awesome podcasts as well as bonus videos that we put up. And me and Vic are uh, scheduled later this month to put up an awesome patron-exclusive video about the crawler. Also, we've been doing a lot of side projects that are still being worked up that are just going to go on the Patreon. Yes, we are. As well as, don't worry, guys, if you guys listen to this, a bonus video for everybody, but keeping that close to the chest. Also, keep in mind, there are, I think it's like, how many hours did we figure out it was? Like, for what, what we have on there? Oh, God. Oh, it was a stupid. Yeah, high it's number. like it's like a thousand extra minutes of like just yeah. straight just bonus content. Yeah, I like think on it's our an Patreon. extra one thousand one hundred and ten minutes. Yeah. So if you want to get access to all that extra content, all you gotta do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. So September seventh, a couple days ago, there was a loud explosion, a loud noise heard uh, in Montgomery County, Tennessee. 